The surprising confession two-thirds of Americans share when it comes to retirement. Are you in the majority on this? And if so, what could it be costing you? We'll have details and what you our friends had to say about it. Plus, we have Diane Harris, Newsweek editor-at-large, making her debut as a guest co-host thought leader on this edition of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebell, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen. And I'm Diane Harris, Newsweek Editor-at-Large and the former Editor-in-Chief of Money Magazine, coming to you from my home office in Montclair, New Jersey. This is the money show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders like Diane. From across the financial landscape, we break them down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And now we do it for you six days a week. This episode of Money with Friends is sponsored by Tiller, your financial life in a spreadsheet automatically updated each day. Go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Tiller for a trial and to support the show. Diane, this is such an honor to have you with us. Oh, Bobby, that's very lovely of you to say. I'm excited. This is the first time I'm I'm co-hosting a podcast. This is fun. Well, I am learning too. I've, Joe Salcihai has been showing me the ropes the past few months, and uh, I love the way the show is going, and I love the fact that we have you as part of our Money with Friends family. The first story, by the way, um, you picked. Tell us a little bit about why you chose this story. It's about um, a surprising retirement confession. So there's the tease for everybody. Yeah. So first of all, I mean, it's a it's a really important topic, right? Saving for retirement. I love the idea of a money confession. I think that we should share um, sort of the things that we're doing wrong as well as the things we're doing right. Because I think that one of the things that freezes people is they're worried about making a mistake or they're worried about sharing their mistakes. And the more we share about that, the better we do. So I like that. And I also think there's a lot of behavioral stuff behind driving the the conclusions in this story. And, and that fascinates me. And this wasn't the kind of answer that a lot of people expect. And that came out in our quiz, which we're going to talk about as well. But first, let's see which, which money friend is going to bring us into the headline. This is Andy from the Inspired Money Podcast. Just like hanging out and chatting about the news, that's why I tune in to Money with Friends. All right, Diane, you got this one. Go for it. All right. So the headline on this story is two-thirds of Americans share this surprising retirement confession. Uh, The writer is Katie Brockman. I found this in USA Today. It's via The Motley Fool. And here's how we get started. There's no one right way to save for retirement, and everyone will have different goals and strategies. But regardless of how you choose to save, it's essential to stash at least a little away for retirement now. The earlier you begin saving for retirement, the easier it is to accumulate several hundred thousand dollars or more for your golden years. But if you start falling behind and put off saving for too long, you'll likely need to make some sacrifices to be able to catch up. However, not everyone is willing to make those sacrifices. Surprisingly, and here it comes, guys, 67% of Americans said they'd rather cut back on expenses in retirement than make sacrifices now to save more. 
This is according to a survey from TD Ameritrade. Although it's good that workers realize they'll need to make sacrifices at some point, not saving for the future could have greater consequences than you think. And the article goes on to say the cost of not saving for retirement. If you don't have enough money saved to cover your retirement expenses, you'll need to make some lifestyle adjustments. But there is a chance those lifestyle adjustments will be more than you bargained for. You may be left to depend on Social Security benefits alone if you run out of savings in retirement. And the average check, Social Security, this is, comes out to just $1,471 per month. If that's not enough to cover all your basic living expenses, you're going to need to make some cutbacks. In addition, you could see your costs increase in retirement, making it even harder to live without savings. Healthcare expenses continue to rise, and the average retiree spends approximately $4,300 per year on out-of-pocket healthcare costs, according to a report from the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College. Long-term care costs could also potentially break the bank, with the average semi-private nursing home room costing around $6,800 per month. And no, Medicare typically won't help with long-term care either, so expect to foot the bills with those expenses. At the very least, spending spending retirement with little to no savings will make it hard to live the life you have envisioned. Even if you don't go bankrupt, you likely won't be able to travel extensively, spend time taking classes, learning new hobbies, and going out to weekly dinners with friends. Rather, you'll be pinching pennies just to try to get by every month. And if that doesn't sound like how you want to spend retirement, it is a good idea to ramp up your savings now. All right. So, Diane, let's just pause here and talk a little bit about this. Tell me more about why. You talk about the psychology behind this, the approach, the behavioral Mm-hmm. Because when we usually ask people about the mistakes they do for retirement, and this goes to the quiz we'll talk about in a moment, they often talk about just kind of not saving enough in general or, you know, just kind of doing bad stuff. But this was a little more nuanced. Oh, I, I definitely think it's nuanced. And, you know, I'm not surprised that people feel this way, but it was very surprising to me that people admitted it. Um, so I actually like that because it shows some self-awareness, but I I think the biggest thing to recognize, it's not that people are, um, are being extravagant with their money. It's not that they're, they're saying, Oh, the hell with retirement. Can I say that? Um, well, I just did. So, um, it's, it's not that people are scoffing at the idea they need to, they need to save for retirement, but, they have something, it's like a behavioral quirk. It's something behavioral finance experts call a cognitive bias. And their name for it is present bias, this particular one. And it just means that here and now, the present feels much more concrete to us than the future. The future seems very abstract. And so it's hard to connect to it. We we're, we feel compelled by the things in our life right now because they feel urgent and they feel more important. And part of that is just that we, we can't visualize what our lives will be like later on. Someone, and I just, if you don't mind, I just wanted to read this quote by a behavioral finance expert who was talking about this phenomenon. And he said, saving is like a choice between spending money today and giving it to a stranger years from now. Like you just don't feel like that future you is actually you. And so I'll stop there 
just to see what you have to say about that, Bobby. But, you know, I think it's the behavioral stuff that trips us up. I, I do agree with you. And I think that what's interesting is that um, we say what we think is the right answer. But in the context of the survey, which I think was anonymous, maybe people felt more free to say things that were more raw and real, that mm-hmm. they just, you know, were focused on today and they weren't going to deal with tomorrow. And that is human nature. It goes into that. And there are also things where in our culture, we've gotten used to making financial mistakes for the right reasons. And that's not kind of a right reason. So when you ask people what retirement mistakes they made, sometimes they say things that are more culturally acceptable. And that goes to this quiz that we put out on Instagram. And you and I talked about this ahead of time. And it was interesting how I loved your interpretation of the answers that we got. So what we asked people on Instagram was we told them the topic. The topic was the surprising confession two thirds of Americans share when it comes to refinancing. Now, there's no right answer in that this was just one survey, the TD Ameritrade survey that we're talking about. There are other correct answers. So I did not prompt people for this survey. I just wanted to know what people thought would be a confession. And so this is what people think is sort of the the things that they will say in more of, I mean, it's it's public. It's 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 uh, Instagram. So we can obviously see who said what. We're not going to tell everyone everyone's names. But but the the most popular answer was that they have more debt than savings. And I think in a way it's good that people are so public with that because I think we're taking in our cultural, cause we're talking more about money. We're taking the shame out of debt. We're, we're talking about debt more. So I like the fact that people fessed up to that. What yeah. do you think, Diane, that that was the most popular yeah, I, answer? Well, I'm a, I was a little surprised at, at, at that answer, but it makes total sense. Right. And the most important thing I agree with you is that people are willing to talk about it and willing to say that because I, I I do think everything that we do that doesn't seem like quite the right thing with our money or flat out isn't the right thing to do with our money. Let's take the stigma away from it. You know, you didn't fail. You didn't screw up. um, You had a challenge and, you know, we move on and we take care of it. It's just let's take the stigma out of out of, you know, the things we do that may not be quite the right things with our money. And this, by the way, very unscientific poll. This was up for about 15 hours. I'll tell you. Yeah, 13 hours, not even 15, 13 hours. Um, but the second most popular answer when we asked people about what their retirement confession would be is that they, that what they thought people would say is that they borrowed from retirement accounts. And that, again, is something that people do. People borrow from 401ks to get a down payment for their home. That's, a, that's not that uncommon. No, it's not that uncommon. They, and they borrow for their kids' education and they borrow to help consolidate credit card debt. Um, they, they might borrow when their partner loses a job and they, and, and they need to get by. There's lots of reasons people do it. But it is the thing that's going to hurt you the, maybe the most in the long run. Because those early years of saving in a retirement account – so the earnings compound, it's really like an application of miracle grow on your savings when you do it early on. And so if you start taking some of that money out, even though you're paying it back to yourself, it really hurts you in the long run. So that's so that's a tough one. Now, again, I don't I'm I'm trying to take the stigma away from from those kinds of things. So let me just tell you, having said all of that, I did it when I was younger. So, yes, I took money out of your retirement account to for a down payment on your home. 
Oh, are you going to stigmatize me? No, I'm now? not. I'm totally yes, not. I did. No, I did. But you have but that I, home and you've lived in that home for so many happy years. Well, I didn't do it for a down payment. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't do it for a down payment on my home. So I, I did it. I, I did it at a period of time when, uh, when we were out of work. And so it was, and so it was a bridge. So, you know, that was bad. And if I'm really being a thousand, a thousand percent honest in my mid twenties, I bar, I took a 401k loan to pay for my wedding dress. Wow. You know, and so you're, you're so honest and and that's, yeah. Well, what I, what I want to say about it is that, you know, one of the reasons to, to listen to us is not only because we've been doing this for many years and we actually know what we're talking about, but we've also lived it. You know, we're real people and we trip up too. And the biggest takeaway is that you recover. You can, you can easily recover. So we've been, you know, I've been saving in my, in my retirement account for years. We're fine now, but you have to recognize that, okay, that was a trip up. Don't do that anymore, Diane. And I didn't. Yeah. We've all done silly things. I've talked publicly about the fact that I took out a, um, home equity loan on my first apartment to pay for a Hamptons share. Yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. We do it all. Um, and things happen. You know, there are things that we can control and then there are things that we cannot control. Um, for example, and we'll, we won't go off context too much with this, but you do have an article coming out um, in Newsweek about the recession. Those are things that, you know, it could hit somebody. And if you have to borrow from your retirement account, that is not a good thing, but it's also real and it's there. So it, it is. It is, it is real right. life. So we don't want to stigmatize people. We understand people have to do what's right for them in the context of what life throws at them. And I think that that empathy is a really important thing. Just to get quickly through the, the other two answers for our extremely unscientific poll, um, coming in third was they spend retirement money on kids' education. I, you know, I can't say I wouldn't do that. I haven't, but I definitely value um, educating our children. And then the final one was actually the one that this survey brought up, which was they'd rather spend now and cut back at retirement. I do want to spend, we don't have too much more time. I want um, to go through at the end of the article. I don't know if you want to pick it up. They did have some tips. So we want to give people some tips for what they can do to at least make the situation better if they are spending more now than they should and not setting themselves up for a good, um, for the retirement that they want. Because it's really about what you want. Um, do you yeah. want to pick up a couple things there, Diane? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the first step, according to this article, is to figure out where all your money is going to see if you're overspending in certain areas. When you're not tracking your expenses, it's hard to see exactly how much you're spending on non-essential costs. Uh, a few dollars here and there on takeout, subscription services, or morning coffee may not seem to make much difference, but combined, these costs add up. And it talks about, you know, using an app to track your expenses and that you might not have to make drastic cuts. Um, I've certainly found, and I'm sorry, I'm going off article here, but, um, you know, when you start the process of tracking your expenses, you tend to automatically cut back in some areas. So it's a good exercise no matter what. Um, So if you you don't want to slash everything you love from your budget, the article goes on to say. Instead, if you make minor adjustments, if you slash everything you love, if you tell yourself you'll never buy lattes or go out for lunch again, it probably won't take more than a few weeks for you to abandon your budget and go back to your old spending ways. But if you aim to simply cut back and not eliminate certain expenses, you can start making financially healthy choices that don't feel like major sacrifices. 
Yeah. That's, that's really well said. And even the things that aren't sacrifices at all. I mean, I once got some free magazines because I answered a survey. And then I noticed a year later, I started getting billed for them. And it was $3.67. But you know what? It's still, I didn't want the magazines. I don't have time to read those particular right. magazines as much as I want to support the industry. And and it was only three sixty seven, but it was three sixty seven that I didn't really sign up for. I mean, I did technically because I got the free magazines for the year and I called them and removed them. But by the way, they offered to send them to me another year for free if I agreed to have the auto billing a year later and I declined. But there may be things subscriptions yeah. that you're paying for it that you don't even want. So it's not even a sacrifice. It's just a question of actually getting them to stop. So that's yeah, the easiest one. I don't mean to trip over your words, but it's another of those behavioral finance things. It's, you know, we're all creatures of inertia. We take, we do the thing that's easiest. And so that's what subscription services like that count on. Um, and so we, we want to get in the way of that whenever we can. Very well said. Okay, before we get to our takeaways, I want to let everyone know that Money with Friends is brought to you by Tiller. Manage your money 10 times faster in a spreadsheet with Tiller, the only service that connects your banks to Google Sheets and Excel with your daily spending, transactions, and balances. Unlike financial apps that force you to compromise, spreadsheets are fully customizable for your needs. Tiller makes them even better with an automatic daily feed of your spending, balances, and transactions. Basically, you can connect it and forget it, which is the best thing. Automation is a good thing when it comes to keeping track of your finances. Go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Tiller for more info and by using our link, you get 20% off your first year. And as a reminder that it is on the Stacking Benjamins website because Money with Friends is part of the Stacking Benjamins family of podcasts. And if you use our link, they will send us a thank you. So thank you for supporting the show. All right, time for takeaways. Diane, you want to go first or you want the final word? I will go first on this one. So what I, what I really want people to take away from this is that you don't have to think about saving for retirement in terms of sacrifice, either now or later, and don't rely on good intentions to help you do it. The most effective way to save is to automate the process so you're not constantly making a decision about whether to save or spend, because hint, spending will almost always win. Saving happens so that you don't have to think about it when you automate it. And that's worked for me my whole life. Very well said. I love the idea of just removing the stress of having to deal with all those things. Just automate everything and um, life is good. Here's my takeaway. Spending less is super fun, said no one ever. But it is one thing to tweak your discretionary spending a little bit now. Or maybe up your earning through a side hustle, maybe something you enjoy or whatever. But a lot of these expenses, when we get older, like healthcare costs, are not going to be discretionary. And we may not be able to do side hustles. And no app is going to be able to save you then. So you need to just get over it and get on with it. How'd I do, Diane? Oh, I love it. That's perfect. That is the perfect takeaway. Before we say goodbye, tell us a little bit more about what's going on at Newsweek. Well, we're, we're good. You know, I mean, we, we, we have um, a very, very big audience. It is fun for me at this point in my career because most of my career I spent at Money Magazine, which was a great run. But it's terrific to be at uh, at an iconic brand like Newsweek and be able to cover things that go beyond 
personal finance, but of course, personal finance remains my first love. And you have a big story out um, probably by the time this comes out on uh, recession. That's right. That's right. On how to get ready for recession. I think it's really, really pragmatic. And whether recession comes next week, which I don't think it will, or two years from now, um, it will just leave you in better shape and stressing less about money. And in the end, that's why I think we do what we do. The, the real goal is just to stress less about money. Yes. Where can people follow you on social media? Well, I'm on Twitter at Diane Harris, and I'm on Instagram at Diane J. Harris. And uh, they can follow me at Newsweek whenever I write something. I usually edit, but every once in a while I write. And uh, LinkedIn, of course. Awesome. Okay. And everyone, please follow Diane. Please also follow us on Instagram. The show's handle is at Money Friends Pod. And that way you can participate in our Instagram polls, quizzes, and questions. You can find out more about Diane by going to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also see the schedules then and join us for our live Facebook tapings where you can be part of the audience. And with that, on behalf of Diane Harris, I'm Bobby Ravel. Thanks for tuning in to Money with Friends. We'll see you next time. This show is created and hosted by Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebell and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Our engineer is Caden Thompson. And for a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with a real episode of Money with Friends.